Welcome to the Revive Fitness and Nutrition Podcast, hosted by global nutrition coach and personal trainer, Julie Payton Monk. Julie is bringing together experts from across the world to chat all things fitness, mindset, and body connection. Her goal is to help you challenge your thinking, rebuild your relationship with food, and redefine your fitness. Welcome to Revive Fitness and Nutrition Podcast with your host, Julie Payton Monk, episode 14 on gut feelings and what happens when you ignore them. And today I've got a special guest joining me, Laura Clifton, who knows all about gut feelings and what happens in terms of her own experience of that. And I will also be sharing mine too. So welcome, Laura. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. And I've known Laura probably about three years now, I think. I was trying to think back how long we've known each other. Um, And we came together on a group coaching and we kind of just connected and have done so ever since. And it's really funny how our minds are aligned. Like we'll be thinking things and then we'll just drop a note to each other and look at, that's what I was thinking. That's what. So this is literally how today's come about because I know about about Laura's story, not in great depth, but I do know bits and pieces. And uh, I was thinking, Laura, it'd be great to get on to talk about this because you guys know I'm all about sharing our own experiences because it can always help someone else. Um, And Laura touched base saying, look, I'd really like to share my story. How about we get together? And I was like, I'm thinking the same thing. So it is that thing when minds align. And for me, Laura's somebody who I'd love to live closer to. She's that person that's just a different way of thinking. She's honest. She'll challenge you. You can bounce things off her. She has such an amazing skill set that, yeah, she's one of those people that I wish I'd live closer to so I could connect a bit more than what we do. But, hey, we'll take what we can get. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. Yeah, I need to come up and see you guys, don't I? And I need to try Dave's cooking for sure yeah. So, yeah I need to pay a visit <laughs> yeah we'll get that sorted so for Laura for people who don't know you who is Laura Clifton yeah so I'm Laura um, I'm based in Oxfordshire because anybody else is down here as well so I'm actually a very creative person I'm a brand stylist and a web designer so I don't actually do anything like in my day job that's relating to health so what has put me on this path is my struggle really for the past 10 years um it's it's really not been great and but it's I believe often your struggles can push you onto your purpose or what you're here for and how you can help other people so here we are today I'm at I'm at the start of kind of sharing my journey Absolutely. And I think what you said there, Laura, about your own struggles, because I never appreciated where I was at the time, which was actually 10 years ago, I was probably at my heaviest, and people never believed that. And uh, now they're like, what? No, you aren't. You aren't overweight. And people forget that everyone's had a path, a struggle, a journey, and actually how that experience can help others. But it's that thing that people will look at you because people are very much about, you know, we like to say we're not biased, but we are. And I see people saying, I'll not be able to do that. I'll not be able to do that. And I've seen it myself going and cover like a class for a guy who done weights, for example. And other females will look at me going, what? Do you know, so it is that thing that there's so much bias out there. And for people looking at Laura, and I know you get these comments all the time, which is, oh, she looks beautiful at anything. I'd love to have her figure. But underneath that, there is a struggle and pain points through that. And that's why I want Laura on to share experience. So, Laura, in terms of what we're talking about with gut health, what does that, because that can mean, you know, it's quite a taboo subject and we are getting more and more knowledge of it. It's becoming more and more 
um, shall we say, researched, but there's a lot of things out there. But just in terms of your own experience, when did you realize that you were ignoring your gut health and this was maybe where your challenges were coming from? So, yeah, things started happening about 10 years ago. I just noticed that I just, I just was not feeling okay, particularly like after I was eating, I was getting really bad cramps, really bad pains. Um, so that's definitely when things started happening. Um, and to be honest, I've tried things over the years and, you know, you would go see specialists and then you think you're not getting the answers that you want and you can feel frustrated. And I definitely got in a place where I thought, this is me, this is my life, this is the way it's going to be, like, I'm just going to have to put up with it. I actually had a doctor say to me once, you just got to deal with it for the rest of your life. So I was like, no, I am not. So that's kind of pushed me onto onto a new path. But things were getting progressively worse over the years. I think a lot of people can probably relate to this. You know, you'll start noticing stuff. You try and carry on living life the way that you are, but actually you're not addressing the problem. So it just gets worse and worse and worse over the years. Then it was actually February this year. So literally, I think it was about six weeks ago, everything for me flared up, all of my symptoms. Like I even listed them, it's a very long list, all kind of blew up at once. And it was making life for me really difficult. And I think a turning point for me was, it was my 29th birthday in February and you know it's your birthday you want to celebrate you want to do things and I I did a few things but I had to cancel others as well because I felt so unwell and I just said do you know what if this is how I'm gonna feel I don't want to be here well what's the point if I'm in pain every single day then I don't want to be here so for me, that was not an option. So I thought, okay, I've got to do something about this. And in the past six weeks, I've really dived in. Um, and I thought, okay, I, I've got to flip the script. So yeah, here we are. So I know you said there about not like wanting to, because you've got lots of different symptoms, but what would you say 10 years ago were the types of symptoms, just so people can understand what was the feelings you had in the body you said mentioned a little bit there about after eating being in discomfort so was it kind of like bloating pain what sort of things was it yeah so I would get really bloated and I think a lot of people didn't believe me because you know I'm small I'm you know a size six and people think oh you're fine honestly I looked about four or five months pregnant and that's no exaggeration I was so bloated and I was fine, I was just getting pain after eating and I couldn't see any correlation between certain foods. I was just feeling pain. Um, I was also experiencing acid reflux, which I know a lot of people um, do struggle with. And yeah, there's more info on that. But that was how things started off for me. And then throughout the years, I started noticing other things. Um, well, the pain, the bloating was getting worse. Um, I was getting excessive mouth ulcers. It's literally, it comes to the point where I always have mouth ulcers. I'm never without one or I'll have five at a time or, you know, it's kind of very extreme case. So that was getting worse. I was getting really bad fatigue. I couldn't sleep at night. I was getting um, recurring ear infections. Um, like I said, the reflux, I was kind of noticing a bit more. And and my mindset. 
so I'm a very like naturally positive person um but it yeah I kind of noticed my thoughts were kind of just going off in a direction that I really didn't want them to go in my self-confidence my self-esteem was so low it to be honest it's crazy how it just affects every single aspect of your your mind and your body yeah, because I know myself, so if I go on holiday for abroad, I know I'll get mouth ulcers if I rinse my mouth with the tap water. I would get mouth ulcers, so I always use bottled water when I go abroad. So I know how debilitating that is because it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. You don't want to eat anything. You don't want to talk to people because it's so uncomfortable. And that's for a short period, and I've learned that. Whereas you have this continuously on top of other discomfort, pain, and that bloating, especially when you're a young female, because you will get comments of people saying, oh, when's it due, and things like that as well. And you're feeling like, what? And it's such a personal thing. And people feel like it's all right to comment on your body. Like, no, it's not. And yeah. you mentioned, dude, about going to the doctors and then being like, you have to live with it. Because that was similar to what I had around the physio. Um, for people who didn't know, when I went to the physio, they said I'd always have to hop up and downstairs the rest of my life. And that's where I was like, Laura. I was like, I'm not having this. I need to go and do something about it. And that's when I joined the gym at 35 and got into fitness. And that's yeah. where I think Laura's on quite a similar path. So in terms of, because I know when we spoke one point, you were with a really high, obviously we're not going to name people, but someone who was deemed a specialist in the country and you were spending quite a lot of money on this individual. And Laura came picked up to me saying, look, I'm still not feeling great. And I was like, this isn't my specialism, but I can, you know, look at other names. But yeah. it was more on about the service you were getting as well. Yeah. And that's something I want to home into people. Is when, because I've had conversations this week about people with physios who aren't that great either. When you feel you're not getting a service, do not stick with that person. Um, I'm very passionate about service. When somebody's not working for you, it doesn't feel right. And you're like, yeah, but this is a top person. It doesn't always mean they've got that level of care and service. And if something's still not working for you, we need to change it. I read something recently about, you know, with depressant, antidepressant medication. People take them, take them, take them, but they're still not improving their life. If you had an infection and took antibiotics and things didn't change, you'd be going back to the doctors going, I've still got this infection, what's going on? Yeah. So it's that thing of not settling and letting your health continue in this place, in this plateau, if not dipping even lower and saying, that's it. When a GP says to you, you've got to live this way, always, always seek an opinion, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's certainly been your experience, Laura. Yeah, and it, that was a big lesson for me. I was 21 when he said that to me. Um, and to say that to a young woman at 21, I thought that was ridiculous. Um, but also it's why you do need to understand that GPs, they are GPs, you know, they're not specialists. You can't go to them and expect that they're going to know the ins and outs of everything. So I think that's, there's a lot of pressure on them from that respect. But that's why it's so important to find somebody who, you know, really does specialise in what it is that you need help with. Um, because of course the the NHS and the doctors they're just overrun as it is so it was really important for me to find somebody who I could have the confidence in to help me and I did end up leaving that particular practitioner um, and it wasn't because they didn't know what they were talking about they were amazing the, the results that I've got I know I know what I'm dealing with you know I've had amazing testing from them but it was the aftercare that it lacked it was the check-ins it was you know because when you are going through treatment like I have it's hard it's mentally and physically tough every day and I really kind of needed that support and I just felt it was kind of like here you go 
get on with it, you know, and that's just not the service that I needed. But for some people, that's probably fine. So it is about finding who works best for you. Absolutely. And when you mentioned there about treatments, just to give people an idea of what those treatments were and also the testing that you've gone through, because I know there's a lot of, you know, people talk about allergies and tolerances and some people to do like self-diagnose. Don't get me wrong, there's an element you can do that. Like for me, for example, I've never been tested for migraines, but I know if I have an apple or orange within half an hour, I'm going to be floored with migraine. Right. So I don't need a test for that. I kind of know that myself. But obviously there are other places where you have to go get tested and when a client comes to me saying they've got, I always check, and if they say they've got an allergy or intolerance to someone, I check, has that actually been tested? And um, yeah. because we are at risk of people self-diagnosing and taking things out of their diet and that having a negative effect and you know, railroading into other things. So just to share with us, Laura, what testing looked like for you and what that treatment was like. Yeah, so I first obviously went to the GP like you do it's kind of a thing in society that we're taught you're ill you go to the doctors so they would run blood tests with me just very kind of general uh, blood tests and they kept telling me I was fine then I went to I was actually referred to the John Radcliffe which is in Oxford down here um, and I had surgeries test biopsies and they they said I was fine and it was kind of like a you're fine like the test says you're fine so see you later and I was like I'm not okay though am I so then that's when I turned more to specialists so that's when I started to pay privately um and I found a particular specialist so we started off with a stool and a urine test now if you are struggling with well with many different issues, but especially GI symptoms, then I would really recommend having a stool test done because the detail that we got off the back of that was just absolutely priceless. It was incredible. And um, so those two were the main tests where we could really see what was going on. Um, I've also had test for SIBO as well I don't know if anyone's really heard of SIBO small intestine bacterial overgrowth so that was a breath test which I did over the course of two days and um, that was something that I could just do from home um, and then recently in February I went for the allergy and intolerance test I went to a place in Northampton again that was private um, and I highly recommend doing that it's and you know my intolerances for example I can't have um, zucchini which we call courgette and that was something that I eat all the time. I love, I love it. You know, I would have it with everything. Um, but I had no idea that was actually upsetting my gut at the time. And you could think, oh, it's a vegetable. That's healthy. That's good for me. And I should have that. But just in my current situation, um, I can't have it. So it is surprising. But when you think, oh, maybe something's good for me, it necessarily isn't. Yeah, and I know where there's like the FODMAP diet, as we call it as well, which is those things that you talk about where people can be allergic to onions, obviously healthy, you think can eat raw veg, but actually raw veg doesn't agree with everyone, and it can be upsetting you, and actually you need to have cooked veg, and um, so there are a whole host, so it, it is an absolute minefield, as we say, because there's so many things within that, and that's what we're doing testing, like what Laura's done will help to shorten the time frame in terms of finding out what you are allergic to or not. 
And here's one fact, Brendan Bouchard actually recommends that if you ever do coaching with him and his team, they recommend one of the things you do is go and get allergy testings. Wow. Because I think we put things down so much, it's obviously a bigger thing in America than in the UK. I think we're yeah. getting there, we're getting there. Um, and I think it's obviously because you could think you've got brain fog, low energy, you could blame it on so many things, call yourself lazy. And actually it could be because you've got allergies to something. I know Tony yeah. Robbins spoke recently about he was getting brain fog and thinking, oh my God, is this some sort of dementia? Um, and he got tested for heavy metals and he was eating a lot of like tuna and swordfish, monkfish, things that are high in mercury, not realizing that. And that was his reason because his exposure to heavy metals was way up yeah. the scale. So then he had to change his diet around that. And so it's these things that sometimes we're not aware of in terms yeah. of impact. And the same goes for deficiencies as well. And I know in the past you spoke about antibiotics, Laura. Was that the initial treatment the GP had given you or how did that come about? Yeah, so I really want to scream it from the rooftops, you know, just understand antibiotics. So I um, have had a lot of antibiotics in my life. You know, as a child, I would often have ear infections. I would get tonsillitis. You know, when you're at school and you just pick all this stuff up. So what do you do? Your mum takes you to the doctors and then you they'd say here you go take this for 10 days to two weeks problem solved so that was happening to me quite regularly and then a real turning point in my health was back in 2015 I actually got glandular fever which is also known as the Epstein-Barr virus um and with that I was on a lot of antibiotics so within a 12-month period I had 18 courses of antibiotics. So literally every three weeks, another course is coming. And I really wish I knew what antibiotics did to you. And I now I will never take them again unless I really have to. And it's there's a hundred percent a place for medicine. Like, please do not get me wrong, people need antibiotics sometimes. And I think if you genuinely need them, take them. But if you've got a sore throat, ear infection, etc., I would rather heal myself in more of a holistic way. Because I think what a lot of people don't understand is the antibiotics, they strip you from the bad and the good. Whereas I think the way that, I don't know, it was kind of said to me when I was younger is, okay, you've got an infection, this is going to kill your the infection, but actually this is going to kill everything. Like the way that I look at it, it's almost like bleaching your gut, you know, you're kind of getting rid of everything. And then you got in, then I got into um, a situation of, you know, gut dysbiosis where, I was having all of these um, antibiotics and the bad was growing back a lot quicker than the good. So that to me has just caused like all of my symptoms, all of my kind of health problems have kind of raised them from that, that moment where, you know, I got Epstein-Barr. That probably happened because I already had loads of antibiotics in my life. There was clearly an immune weakness there already. I got that. I, it was during uni. I was quite stressed out. And then I had loads of antibiotics. And ever since then, things just snowballed and got a lot worse. So I would just stress to everybody, please try not to take antibiotics unless you really, really, really have to. <laughs> and I was listening to your story around that and thinking about mine because um, when I broke my leg and I think it was the pressure of getting back to work, I got things I'd never had. So I had tonsillitis like three times. I've had a chest infection. And again, I think that was the pressure of being made 
Colin, you need to be getting back to work and working full time while I was trying to do all this physio. And then I also got glandular fever. So why is it glandular fever? And I was, what was I then? 36 when I got glandular fever. Last of my whole life, 36 I got it. And they say the older you are, the worse the symptoms are. Um, yeah. And if anyone's not had it, it's almost like, you know, they're talking about the long COVID, it's that fatigue. You're like, I need to sleep now or I'm literally going to faint. I'm going to pass out if I don't go to sleep. It's that level of fatigue. Yeah. And, um, but interestingly, I had a different experience with the GP. They gave me obviously antibiotics for the chest infection. Obviously, I was on numerous painkillers. I've been for an operation and stuff and wasn't all bad. Yeah. But for glandular fever, they didn't give me anything. They went, you've just got to ride it out. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I was having a lot of antibiotics as well because I was getting the tonsillitis, you know, and like everything else that was going with it. So they thought, okay, well, she's getting tonsillitis. That means she needs antibiotics. And I think they finally got to the point where they're like, you've had 18 lots. Like that's wow. every, every time I say that, when you continuously have antibiotics 18 times in a row like other specialists are like why on earth did they give you all of that like you know they're just like oh my gosh like your poor body and yeah I got glandular fever really bad I was in hospital and I remember saying to saying to my mum one day like I, I was laid in bed I was like I can't move my legs it was like I just had no life in my legs you know you yeah. say about the fatigue I they yeah. felt so heavy I was like, I cannot move my legs. And that for me was scary. Like I was gonna say, that, yeah. That terrified me. Um, so yeah, just please be very, very cautious. And I think I wouldn't have been looking back, it wouldn't have been so bad if I had like a secondary protocol alongside it. If they said, you know, you need antibiotics for this reason, but to stop you getting like gut dysbiosis or having to deal with anything like that take this alongside it you know to help kind of make things a little bit better and you know I'm also thinking my experience where I've got them mostly it's been from the dentist so I've got weak teeth so my immune system can sometimes destroy my teeth it's just one of those things Mm -hmm. Uh, but the number of times I've gone and they give me antibiotics and it's a bog standard one and I know it's not going to do anything they're just like try it and I hate taking them because I find my energy I'm knackered by the end of the course and it's obviously like what you're saying about it's affecting your gut bacteria so it's killing that off which just explains my energy low in them and then I'd go back and they'd like well try these ones oh nothing's coming out right we need to take that tooth out and it's that thing of I would say the dentist readily chucks them at you opposed to the GP and so I just think that's a little warning as well going, well actually yes you want to save the tooth but they're giving you bog standard ones that you know haven't worked previously. It's maybe having that conversation to go, I've had these before, they're not going to work for me. So if you're going to give me something, can it be can we try something else or what's the alternative? And maybe just enter into those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And if you do go for the allergen intolerance test, which in an ideal world, I think everybody should. If if you can do it, if it's accessible to you, absolutely go do it. Um, because that's gonna help a lot. You know, if and I, I truly believe you can heal yourself through foods and through natural herbs. I do. That's what I'm currently doing right now, and I'm seeing transformation already in six weeks. So I'm not saying it's a magical cure, but in my mindset, I would rather heal myself through food than you know take all of these antibiotics and all of these medications. And I absolutely agree with you. And if 
people um, come to work with me, it's all about food, the food you enjoy, what you eat. Yeah. And I only ever supplements for people who are vegan and they're maybe struggling to get the protein in that they need, then it's supplements, but it is on top of the natural foods that they're having. And mm-hmm. it's ensuring that that source is a credible source and a trusted source. Yeah. And it's that thing of saying, we've got so complicated in the world, I think. I don't know if you think this is well, or like we've got so complicated and so far removed. And it's like stripping back that complexity. Even when I was at the gym the other day and I get all this new kit in, something was bugging me. I was like, what is it? And so everything's become about data and screens and complexity rather than just go for a run. If you want to go for a run, you want to go on the road machine, just go on it, feel the resistance, see what your body's telling you rather than what the screen's telling you to do. Tune into yeah. your body. And it's all about the computer telling you when to lift and drop, lift and drop. And I'm like, why can't we not just tune into our bodies? And it's like, okay. it's that thing of robots taking over, isn't it? So we're getting more and more kind of far removed from what our bodies do and the nature of them in terms of what you're saying about food and using that to heal your body. Yeah, and there is no one size fits all. You know, if anybody like suffers from SIBO like I do, or, you know, you've had glandular fever, like, you know, there's going to be different ways that our bodies are going to heal from it. There's definitely guidance and protocols, but there is a huge element of listen to your to your body and really tune in. And that's what I've been doing. And so far touch wood it's, it's working I'm seeing improvements uh, and just to give people an idea how easy was it for you to find somewhere to do allergy testing super easy on google we're so lucky aren't we you can literally just go just go on to google <laughs> and I found a clinic in Northampton um I I'd looked at I think about three I didn't want to don't overwhelm yourself because there, there are a lot of options out yeah. there I just kind of looked at the top ones that came up um, and what is amazing is when when you do it and you do go private I think I had phoned them the Friday and Saturday morning I had an appointment for my blood test wow. because I um, I called them I you know I'd been very upset I was so down I was so broken and I said please help me like you know I, I really need to have this done and yeah, no problem. I'll fit you on the end of the clinic tomorrow morning. And I said, oh, thank you. You know, if if I had gone through the NHS, as amazing as it is, like I've said, you know, they've got they're under a lot of pressure. They can't fit you in that quickly. So I would highly recommend, yeah, doing it. But I would recommend a blood test. I think some of them do skin testing. But even mm-hmm. if maybe you have acne or you have skin issues, I would still recommend. The blood test because it's really going to tell you what's happening in your gut. Yeah, I agree. With you. I think skin testing as well. It's like anything. You can be fine. Like if I try makeup on my arm, I'll be fine. Put it on my face, it's a different ballgame. Yeah. Um, so it's that thing about the blood is like the window to your body. Like the amount of things they can test for now in blood is amazing. You can tell if you're eating spicy food, having coffee, and um, it's that thing. And there's so many things they can test for in the blood, and they're now like. I don't know if it's readily available in the UK yet, but you can test for 50 different types of cancer now. I know they've certainly got that in America. So there's different things that are coming out. So the blood is huge in terms of what they can tell from it. But some yeah. people might be sitting listening to this and thinking, oh my God, I bet that's going to be expensive. Do you mind giving us like how much you've spent on this testing? No, of course I'm very, very open. So I paid 300, it's 345 pounds. Um, and they took six samples within that. 
So a lot of people might think, okay, 345, that's a lot of money. I hear you. But let me just give you kind of a little bit of context. So that payment is for everything, for my follow-ups, for meal plans and ideas. It's for, you know, like the check-ins that I have and the whole support. It's not just we're doing a blood test, here's the results, see you later. You know, they are going to help me for the duration for that price. The specialist I was working with in 2019, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I went to the top. (laughs) She's the best of the best. And I paid £250 for one hour of her time. So, 350 for the test versus a 250 consultation so just to kind of put it into perspective when I heard it was three about three four five three fifty oh my god that's amazing like I'm coming tomorrow (laughs) and I think as well what people also need to understand is your health is everything so I have been lucky that I've you know I've worked with these private practitioners I don't even want to know how much I've spent like tens of thousands I don't want to know the cost but I would rather go and spend money on that than waste it on designer handbags or eating rubbish or you know because it's even like if you're going to your I don't know you're going to McDonald's or you're buying like greasy fat food well that adds up too if you're getting lots of takeout well that adds up I'd rather go have an intolerance test and actually look after myself so but yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, and I think I've had it's really actually just the time of this whole conversation. So I've had a conversation the past two, three months with lots of different clients in person online. That yes, we have the NHS, but they're restricting what they can do in terms of resource, time, even the options you will be given. And yeah. I had a conversation about I think we're kidding ourselves if we believe the NHS is still there. Yes, it is to a degree, but the chances are you're going to need to go private. So that's a mixture of my cancer rehab clients who will go and it'll be the same consultant and say, for example, I don't want to talk about obviously specific clients, so just general terms, who need to get a breast removed. Okay, here's your three options. Well, actually, I've got private cover through work. All right, here's five options for you. And that can be a massive difference, especially when we're talking about, you know, young women in their 30s to the rest of their life. And I just think, you know, I even spoke to a guy about he's needing a hip operation and he's talking about going abroad for it and going private for it because the waiting list, and it's affecting him in terms of his walking, his mobility, what he can do, mm-hmm. and the waiting list is so long. And actually, if he goes private here, the cost is really high. It goes abroad, yeah. he can get two hips done, still get the care. So I do think you do need to be careful, don't get me wrong, go abroad, but I've seen people go abroad and not get the care when they've come back. So things like gastric bands, and they come back and they don't get the care around that piece. Yeah. So you do have to be careful there. But I think in terms of in this country and private, chances are you'll get the same GP same consultant but the timelines and when people are like oh but I don't want to skip the queue but that's the reality of where we are and if you're in a place like Laura was in or you're in a place like if you think ultimately I went private do you know my physio stopped working for me so I went and got myself a PT I went and joined a gym and it's that thing of taking responsibility for your health because like Laura's saying I discovered that when something goes wrong with your body it's fundamental your yeah. one body and when something goes wrong, it impacts the quality of your life so much. Like, mm-hmm. it changes it. And it's that thing, when you're in that much pain, then you need to invest. 
and spend the money doing it. But I think we both say is try and encourage you. But what we're trying to do right now is get that message across is don't wait till you're in the point that we were in and that struggle and pain before you do something. If something's niggling now, go and seek help and go and get that done for your own knowledge. The more knowledge you've got about your body and what's working for it and what's not, then the longer you might live, but also the quality of that life. What's the point living to 100 if you're in pain and discomfort and you're not able to move? Yeah, exactly. And it's cliche, but we're here one time. So you want to make the most of it, right? You don't want to be sat there in pain or feeling, you know, where's the toilet, you know, in case I need to go and and things like that. You don't want to be disturbed with, you know, having that on your shoulders every day. Um, So yeah, I just think 100% invest in your health. And it's about prevention. I think that we we wait too long for, oh, well, you know, I haven't been told that I've got this, so let's not worry about it. And I'm not saying, you know, go and panic about everything, but it's so important to invest because for me, if I had just left it and left it and left it, what else is that going to manifest to, you know? And especially if you've got a lot of bad bacteria in your gut, if what if that goes up to your brain then what's gonna happen you know so it's almost just I would rather prevent things from happening because I think a lot of people can say oh you're young you know I'm 29 like oh don't worry like you're you're only young you're healthy because you're young or, or whatever you know I've, I've heard that a lot and I'm, I'm not just thinking about the here and now I'm thinking about when I'm 60 70 80 if I can prevent myself possibly getting dementia I'm gonna do that you know so I'm really going to educate myself and do things now because it's it's a lot harder to reverse it yeah 100% and I always say to people about aging well and they look at me like as if I've been ageist I'm like hello I'm like 41 42 this year I'm not being ageist but I'm like aging well what we don't get told and we don't get educated on starts in our teens starts in your 20s starts in your 30s your 40s 50s especially being female and someone I want to actually touch on and say about exactly that. I'm thinking when you're talking there about hormone health. Is mm-hmm. that something that's been discussed with you, Laura, in terms of hormone health, what that means for your monthly cycle, things around that, around your gut health as well? No. Yeah. No. Um, and they definitely work hand in hand. And, you know, I'm even learning about how your oral microbiome as well you know plays a part in how it is all connected but that's not something that a specialist has ever gone into detail about and I don't think they do unless you were saying you were getting UTIs and things and I feel like they would look at that kind of thing um but no it's definitely not a standard that's presented to me that's it because one of the things I educate clients on is about their monthly health check which is your period so what's yeah. your symptoms at that time? What does it look like? Are you having a period? How long is it for? If you're on contraceptive and people have seen me post the last few days, more and more is coming about contraceptive and turning our hormones off and the impact that has on our health too. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> so we'll get into that. But yeah, I was just thinking about that with your gut health and hormone health. Yeah, and you know, um, I was on the pill when I was younger. I've been off it for a few years now because I was like, what is this actually doing to my body? Like I remember thinking about it one day and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm getting all of these like crazy mouth ulcers and things. Like, is it linked to that? Like, I I mean, you just never know, do you? But that that does play a huge part in your guts. And I'm I'm learning about that at the moment, actually. And I think, gosh, I was on that for years, a really long time, really, really long time. Did that also play a part 
in what I'm dealing with today. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, so for anyone listening, watching on Facebook, check out Lara Bryden. So Lara Bryden is like, um, she's a like homopath from New Zealand, but she's like the gospel, like PhD in female health. And more and more of her stuff's coming out. And I think we're getting it now more in the UK because of Lara's work um, and her thing about, you know, hormones, how important they are, how to repair our hormone health for women under 40. And then come up to perimenopause, menopause, how to improve your health going through the menopause rather than the Western world of being like, oh, it's awful, it's this, it's that. Actually, if you go into that period with niggles and health issues, it will amplify it. And that's where the challenges come in. So she's all about hormone health and how important. And again, I see with my cancer rehab clients who are forced through medical induced menopause of the treatments they have. And I see the impact of that and the complexity of us trying to work out, is it side effects of the treatments or is it the menopause side effects that are you know causing fatigue and body aches that they're having? And it's really complex to work those out. I think yeah that relationship between the gut health and the hormone health and I think again gut health's a bit like the hormone health but we've never been educated on this stuff I was like how can I not know this things about the pill that I know now when I was like 35 year old how have I gone to this stage of my life and just reading this stuff now so yeah check out Lara Bride and stuff I'd say that so Laura I want to touch on with the gut health stuff what would you say the one thing you've learned that you're like like exactly what I just said you're like oh my god how did I not know this um the antibiotics it was literally the one thing how do I not know what it's doing to me <laughs> you know how did and I think just about looking after your gut in general why are we not taught this in school why are we not taught how to properly look after ourselves and you know I didn't hear even the phrase like gut microbiome until I was already in the system struggling you know I I had never heard of that at school or you know in my younger years I was oblivious um and I think a lot of people are so yeah, my my things would definitely be I wish I knew what antibiotics did for me and I wish I understood more about the the gut microbiome because they are you know you hear the phrase your gut is your second brain it, mm-hmm. it, it is it's almost like the way that I think about the gut is like it's the engine right it's like literally where everything is kind of coming from so if your gut's in a bad place why on earth do you think your mindset's going to be in a good place you know and why do you think your your skin's going to be glowing and healthy if your gut's in a bad place? And that's something that I guess was just never hit my radar when I was younger. And I wish it did because I think if we know from a younger age, we can prevent so many health issues, mm-hmm. so many health issues. And absolutely, and I say that to clients as well because we always think about fueling the body. And I'm like, it's not just the body, it's the mind as well. Whatever you eat, because your brain's so carb hungry, it's like the hungriest organ in our bodies. So what you're having is going to your brain. So if you're feeling rubbish and low, look at what you're having. Yeah. And you're like beating yourself up because you've eaten that thing and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. But actually it's more about what's in it that's also impacting that. Not as much as you beat yourself up for not eating as healthy as you think you are. Yeah, and I think it's just understanding what is going on. So for me, um, my my nutrition at the moment I hate the word diet so I'll say nutrition um is very a lot of people will say it's very restricted um and 
you know, I have times where I'm like, oh, I'd love chocolate. I'd love chocolate right now. You know, Cadbury's chocolate buttons. Yes, please. I'd love some. I, I can't have chocolate or any dairy at the moment or any soy. Um, but I know that it's the nasties in my body that wants that. They want to stay alive. They want you to feed them. And how are you going to feed them with these sugary foods, you know, the fried foods, the yeast, like that's how you're going to feed these things. So I think it's having definitely having that understanding of what is actually going on. Why am I craving that food? I don't need it. It's the bad guys that want it because they want to stay alive. And now that I've got that kind of in my head, when I do get these cravings, I'm like, nope, like, you know, I'm not feeding you. I'm not feeding you. And um it really does help. Oh, I love that. I totally love that analogy. Like, I'm not going to feed the bad guys. Yeah, they want it. It's not me that wants it. It's the bad guys because they want to, yeah, keep screwing me up and causing me yeah. pain and discomfort. They want to control my body. And I'm not going to let them by feeling them. Yeah. And you need some bad guys, you know. You can't just have 100% good bacteria. No, you need a few bad guys in there. But it's because I know I've got way too many. So I'm I'm just choosing not to feed them right now. <laughs> and so what does that look like because you said about restrictive and you said like the last six weeks you've really focused on it I know previously you spoke about like anybody who's trying to change a lifestyle and I like to call it lifestyle change it's hard to be consistent because the brain is comfortable with the familiar and yeah. as humans we're not great at change we're comfortable with familiar the brain likes repetitive stuff it likes to be repetitive whatever that looks like so for you to the last six weeks what does that change look like it's it's definitely hard to you feel like you have to unlearn a few things and you have to kind of retrain yourself and you do get into a routine you know I was somebody who I'd have lunch and then like oh I'd love a bit of chocolate in the afternoon you know like and that was kind of my thing and one thing as well that you touched on there but it's like it's hard because I think a lot of people could be like oh my god you poor thing oh my gosh like you can't eat all of these foods or you know my my family will be like we had a we had a family birthday recently a, a 50th birthday I had a cake made it was beautiful absolutely stunning I can eat it so they're like oh you poor thing like you can't eat that no why is it a bad thing you know I'm actually healing myself so it's, yeah, I, I think that's a huge thing for me is knowing that it's it's not always a bad thing. Like, don't keep focusing on what you can't have, focus on what you can have. So I'm somebody who, I'm kind of, I just go all in, right? I'm not going to, they said to me, there's kind of two routes you can go down when you're making these changes. So you can either go full in, cut it out and you know get the results quicker and really start your healing process or if because it, it is it's hard it's mentally tough let me tell you and emotionally yeah. tough but I was like, I'm just gonna deal with that I'm just gonna you know face it head on but if with a lot of other people maybe they can't do that so they need to kind of do it little by little so it's kind of up to you you could if you found out you had intolerances to things you could say okay well I'm gonna start by cutting out this intolerance do that for a week or two then I'm going to also cut out this and then in, and you can do it that way well you do it like me <laughs> I cut it all I'm like okay you're all gone um and yeah literally focusing on what I can have but I'm not going to lie to people it's not going to be an easy journey but is it going to be worth it 100 million thousand percent yes it will be
Yes, because I always say we underestimate the value of energy. Yeah. And energy comes from your body, it comes from movement, it comes from what you're fueling your body with. And obviously it's coming from your gut. And it's yeah. that whole thing about we underestimate it because we need energy for everything. We need energy to have engaging conversations, to connect with people, to move physically, to do whatever it is you want to do on holiday at your place of work. And we need energy yeah. for everything, but we forget that. So what you're talking about in terms of, yes, right now I've gone all in, but I've yeah. done that because I don't want to be in that point of pain and I want to get myself back. I mean, sometimes people fall into like their bodies, let them down. They don't trust it anymore. But actually, it's our bodies telling us something's not right and it's asking us to pay attention to it yeah, and to give it what it needs. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. We get cravings all the time, or you can even feel hungry, but you don't need food. You're just thirsty. <laughs> You're dehydrated. So it is. Yes. It's actually, you know, knowing what you need. And I am. Um, so I've been working with a GP recently on nutrition, and she said to me the other day, she's drunk more water in the last three months than she has in the last thirty years. Yeah, wild. And it is wild. And I always say that to females: if you're craving chocolate check you're not thirsty and I know that people are like what it could be you're dehydrated your body's looking for something but you're taking that cue as oh I need to pick me up and that pick me up is sugar I go to quick pick me up but actually what your body's needing water mm-hmm. and I've got so many clients who will say oh but I don't like drinking water I was like you didn't grow up with fizzy drinks like, they want a thing because I work with okay. older clients they want a thing when you were a kid so why do you now tell yourself that you can only have fizzy juice yeah, and I'm somebody, when I was younger, I um, didn't drink a lot of water either. I would have a lot of squash. I wasn't so I didn't have loads of fizzy. We weren't brought up with loads of fizzy, like, drinks and stuff. Um, and then I started getting to the chiropractor, and she was like, I don't, are you drinking enough water? Like, after my treatments, she'd be like, hey, Laura, make sure you have a really, like, big glass of water. And I didn't like it, but now I do you know it's you have to almost train yourself it's like if you were to water a flower then it's going to grow but if you give that flower a can of coke it's going to die isn't it and it's like how can you expect the best from your body if you're not even willing to you know nourish it in the right way um so that's definitely my kind of mindset on it and also with water something that I've learned recently I was somebody who I would always have really cold iced water you know I'd either have a hot drink or it'd be really really cold I wouldn't want anything in between well really cold water like your body doesn't actually absorb it so you're not really hydrating yourself you know when you think like if you're somewhere and it's really hot and you're like yeah oh lovely ice cold water that's what you want but your body's not absorbing it your body absorbs it more when it's like it's not quite room temperature it's a bit cold but it's not ice cold that is the perfect temperature to have your water to really hydrate yourself otherwise it's just going through pretty much yeah and it's also that thing about, so I was like you, like you said, you were a squash and stuff, but I was Coke. I lived off my heaviest. I would only drink Coke. Full sugar Coke was all I drank. I literally lived off two liters a day. And I yeah. used to pride myself on the fact that I was filled with Coke and I'd eat crisps. And that was my basic diet when I was my heaviest. No one ever questioned it. They questioned it when I lost weight, started living healthy and was drinking water. 
that is that thing. So I know you what you were saying about the sympathy with the cake and people being like, oh, it's a shame for you, you can't have this. Mm-hmm. But it's because people like that social circle and people who you know are associated with eating the cake, the people who eat all the leftovers, who have the biggest burger, there's a social status around what people eat. And it's yeah. that thing when someone says no. So I get that all the time. Oh, you're so healthy. You're so good. I'm like, no, I just don't want to feel like crap. I don't want to eat that thing because I'm going to feel rubbish after it. And that's how I make my choices. Yeah, no, exactly that. When people are saying, yeah, like, oh, you poor thing. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's definitely flipping like the mindset on that. Yeah. And that is when you're changing your lifestyle, you will get that from people. And also, especially because you're doing something positive for you and people might be stuck in that place where they can't do that for themselves and they can project that onto you as well. So you do yeah. have to have a bit of a Teflon kind of shoulders and let things just go over your head. Yeah, and also, you know, people have been saying to me, oh, gosh, like, I can I could not have chocolate. Or, like, I love cheese. I can't have cheese, but I used to love it. You know, if I had cheese, I really had cheese, you know? Like, I would, like, really go to town with cheese. And people are like, oh, God, I couldn't, I couldn't cut out cheese. And I think we also think as well, oh, I deserve that. I'm going to go out. And, like, I used to love, um, when I was, like, a younger teenager, Belgian buns. Oh, I loved a Belgian bun. I'd be like, I deserve that treat. I'm, you know, it is like I'm going to treat myself. And I think that is kind of what we're taught, whereas actually it's not really a treat. It's like, what's it doing to you, you know? And I just think that we feed ourselves so much of these things well I deserve that treat yeah I know but you're punishing your body you know so it's like yeah this is that conversation I've had a client this week is about it's not a treat because one you feel rubbish after it you get that initial high but actually you're feeling rubbish and it's not taking you to where you want to be so instead you need to associate that word treat with you know saving up for a massage you know that money that you'd spend on the cost and the cake put it in a savings account for your massage, go for a float, do something positive, buy yourself some flowers, whatever that is, do something like that that's actually going to impact you positively rather than class of lying to yourself that this is a treat because it's not because you're punishing yourself with it. And you know you're going to beat yourself up after it. So let's realign what we call a treat. Exactly. And when people say, oh, no, you deserve that treat. Actually, I deserve to feel well. And that's kind of, you know, I flipped the script on that recently and I had the conversation with a friend and I was like, yeah, but I actually deserve to feel well. And I would rather have that than feel like I deserve that tree that is going to, you know, spike my symptoms. And I'll go back just touch on that sympathy thing, because like you say, friends and stuff say, no, you deserve a tree. It's a shame for you. You can't have the cake. How can people help with someone who has got intelligence and allergies? So it's not like making you on the outskirts feel like you have to explain yourself all the time. Because I have got friends who have got allergies and I will seek out restaurants who are quite good. Like Oaxaca, for example, are quite good. They've got massive allergy lists. Um, but it's really difficult. Others will give you it and you will literally get a Bible. <laughs> so they'll bring up like, what? I'm not even bother that. I'll have the plainest thing or just won't eat. What are the sort of things that people can do if you go out with a friend who's got allergies and tolerances to make it easy and not make it feel like it's a chore? I think it kind of also depends on the person because for me, I don't want loads of fuss around it. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm just like, I don't want it to be like, oh gosh, like Laura can't have this or she can't have this or yeah. It's almost like this panic. And I went to Wagamama's recently um, with a friend in Birmingham and 
this guy, bless him, he was young, probably about 17, and they have to ask you, do you have any allergies or intolerances? Of course they do. And I just looked at him and I thought, I'm not even going to go there. My list is so long. I'm not even going to go there. And I was like, no, we're fine, but I'll just tell you what I can have. You know, so in that situation, I really wanted to take control. Yeah. That's obviously different to some people. So, for example, I'm intolerant to nuts. I can't have nuts at all at the moment. But if I'm in the room with nuts or if you're with me and you're eating nuts, I'm fine. Whereas some people have a crazy allergy and they can't be near them at all. That is a different story. Definitely tell people if you're in that situation. Yeah, I'll just clarify. So an allergy versus intolerance are two different intolerance. You can have some of that thing. It might cause you discomfort, a bit of pain. Whereas yeah. allergies where you can flare up, go bright red, get blisters, that anaphylactic shock, not being able to breathe. Exactly that. And yeah, the allergies for me definitely play out differently. I might find I have like maybe sinus issues or maybe my skin might flare up, things like that. Intolerance is more for me anyway, um, pain in my gut, bloating and that kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, if I'm cutting out these intolerances, like I'll just tell you what I can have. But I I definitely think like let's focus on what you can have versus what you can't. So if I was to go around a friend's house, they'd be like, tell me what you can't have. And it's almost like that becomes the focus, whereas actually just say, what would you like to eat? Like, what would you like to have? You know, and it's like, I will tell you the foods that I would really love to have. And it's almost like you kind of stick to that meal plan, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. they're telling you what they can have because it's so easy to me. If I showed you my list, it's ridiculous the amount of things I cannot have. And I think you can look at that and it can really make you feel like an inconvenience. It can really make you feel quite down and quite like, oh, my gosh, there's nothing out there that I can eat. You know, like that's but that's not true. So I would definitely say, like, just ask people more. So what can you have rather than what you can't have? And don't feel pity for people. Well, this is me anyway. I don't want people to pity me. Like I said, with the cake, like oh you poor thing like that that to me it annoys me and like I'm just like no 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 um and also just a kind of a message I guess on allergy and intolerances is it's not forever it doesn't mean I can't ever have cheese or chocolate ever again because often when you have these allergies and intolerances it's because something else is going on right so because things in my gut got too comfortable for the bad guys it's kind of triggered these allergies and intolerances so the place that I'm in at the moment is I'm cutting them out just to give my gut a little bit of a rest let's stop winding it up let's stop aggravating it let's let it you know breathe a minute but I'm also dealing with what else is going on so I would say that to somebody if you've been told that maybe you're celiac or you can't have dairy or whatever it is they're kind of some common ones don't feel you have to cut it out forever there's a way you can have it again absolutely but you need to get to the root cause of why you can't have it sorry that kind of went off from your question no no no. it's all good because it's so true because people assume it's like what you said when the doctor said to you that should be less through your life so some yeah. people might not get told this and the thing with intolerances is, is that that word intolerance so it's finding the level you can have it i myself was never diagnosed and i thought good am i getting a gluten intolerance and what I've discovered is the quality of that bread product makes a difference to me. 
And I can't, for example, have a Pizza Express pizza. I can have like two slices, any more than that. And you'll know two slices does not fill you <laughs> Pizza Express. Yeah. Pizza slices, any more than that, I will be in pain for the next like two hours for the rest of the night. And so the quality I found of the gluten product makes a difference to me. And I've, again, not got allergy tests with that. So I know my tolerance for a Pizza Express pizza is two slices, that's it. I can go around the corner from mine, eat a whole pizza from a you know, locally branded homemade place, and I can eat the whole pizza, not an issue. Yeah. And that's where the tolerance and intolerance comes from. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, it's a personal choice as well. This is your body. You have to listen to yourself. But for me, I'm not celiac, but I just... I understand that your body just can't break down gluten too well. And, you know, you can't, you look at things, the diets from way, way, way back in the day when they used to have lots of fruits and veggies and things, whereas we've made it so complicated over the years. So, you know, we've introduced these new different things with soy and gluten and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely whatever works, whatever works best for you. But if you do find that you are struggling with, you know, other symptoms that we've spoken about, there is an underlying cause for that. And if you solve that, you will find that your intolerances will be a lot better. Yeah. And I think it's go back to what you said about spending the money to find them out. Because yeah. like what we said, you know, it's always like that old warning. I think about it earlier, the old warning we used to say about if you're making any changes to your diet, consult your GP. And it's a little bit like that before you kind of think I'm going to completely cut something out because I don't think it works for me. Actually, it's worth investing because you might, like Laura was saying, end up causing yourself an imbalance elsewhere. And I read something recently about with celiac. That's part of the issue. I think the growing issue around celiac is because people are self-diagnosing, taking things out that's then creating an imbalance, which is actually making the situation worse. So it's like what I said at the start, like some things you can play about with, like the Pizza Express example I just learned because you're tuning into your body. Um, yeah. But that for me was like, before I would ever consider cutting out gluten, I would go and get tested and specialists and all the rest of it. But I didn't need to do that because the truth is I'm not gluten intolerant because I can eat a pizza from somewhere else. There's something in the processing and it's what to be around the yeast and not letting the yeast fully form because mm-hmm. it's cheaper processes, faster produced versus somewhere that lets it rise and bake and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So it is that thing about you can play about with it in your own body and find out what works for you and what's not. But before you cut something out, it is worth investing in that testing to make sure you don't have any adverse effects when your intentions are good yeah exactly you do need to know to an extent what you're dealing with especially if you are you know going quite restricted with your nutrition um or you know it's the same if you're taking supplements and things like that um just definitely know just kind of definitely know what you're dealing with and also one point i would say to someone who might be you know suffering with your gut and things like that you're going to see adverts particularly maybe Holland and Barrett and you know I'm I'm on their mailing list and they'll say this is the new like best product for your gut you know this feeds your good bacteria this is really good for you do you want do you actually need it so for me I back in my journey I was like okay I'm going to take prebiotics probiotics I'm going to load myself up with all of the good stuff right but actually I have too much bacteria full stop whether it's good or bad it's too much and I had a probiotic um and it made me physically sick because my body couldn't take it 
it was even though you could look at a product and think this is actually good it was just my body saying like there's too much bacteria in here like let's let's not do it so I just think that you really need to have that understanding before you go to Holland and Barrett buy loads of things <laughs> off the shelf um yeah I I mean I have that's a whole nother conversation but I will just say to people if you're like oh I've seen this probiotic it looks quite good just make sure that you need it and are you having a similar issue to me do you have an overgrowth or can if you have candida or anything like that um definitely seek a specialist's advice before I love that Laura because it's like you say it is thrown at you yeah. I know I've spoken a bit about Holland Barrett before because for me their um credibility went for me personally when they started selling skinny teas I uh, really what well, they're not the company they once were I don't know if they're taking over from wherever don't get me wrong they do still have some good products but it is about making money and marketing and the only reason you would stop a skinny tea is for money let's face it if you're a health food remedy shop why on earth would you even have that product on your shelves and yeah. it's like you know we, again another subject the quality of vitamins is a minefield and I've done work around that with my clients and with myself and oh, uh, <laughs> it's a minefield and what you buy is not necessarily quality and as Laura's saying you might not necessarily need it so before you start thinking about deficiencies because obviously we're told about vitamin d with covid things like that but these things too much of any good thing can be a bad thing which is what Laura's saying as well so whilst things are being thrown at us from marketing we've seen it at the start of covid they start selling um, immune support cereal you having a laugh yeah. what i know <laughs> yeah i'm so much so good oh. Uh, sorry, I'm saying like I'm somebody who I work in marketing. So I understand these tricks and things that they say and things that they can put on packaging that's not technically true. Or it's the truth majorly exaggerated to make it sound, you know, even better. So for me, I I have got like the occasional thing from Holland and Barrett. Um and I'm not I'm not bashing them at all, but I think it's you know having an education of they don't always sell things that are super super healthy super, super like good for you. A lot of things in there do contain high sugars and things like that. So definitely research what you're doing. But for me, there's a lovely little um, local health store where I live. You know, it's very kind of independent. I go in there, and how knowledgeable she is is amazing. And that's the kind of person I would rather go to and seek advice from because I I trust that she's getting really good quality product and yeah like you said places like on the high street they're not always necessarily that good for you it is a marketing message yeah and that's where I think we need to be careful because gut health who said start is becoming a bigger thing people are using that terminology now and that phrase and off yeah. the back of it, like any situation, people will look to make money from it. And it's really going in with your eyes wide open. I mean, there's still companies going around selling diet plans and things that still amaze me that people go for these things. But, you know, or know. some people cool, but at the expense of what else? There's what I always say, at the expense of what else? Um, so, yeah, it's that. A lot of it as well is actually you pay money on stuff you're taking it but it doesn't in your body it doesn't get to where it needs to be because it's killed off before that so a lot of people I don't know if it's um true with you know like these Yakult drinks I've never been a fan of them but anything like that 
I would argue, is that even getting to your gut? Is it being killed off before, you know? So like if some of the capsules that I'm taking, that they are capsule and they're quite thick because they are designed to get through down to your gut, you know, because that's where they need to be. That's where it's really going to do its magic. Whereas a lot of things you can take, they don't get to the destination. There's no point in you taking it and you're just wasting your money. Yeah, same with the supplements I take, the vitamins I take, because the amount of activity I do, then I yeah. need to take additional supplements. And it's nothing fancy. It's your multivitamins, and your high quality. And when, you know, I'll never prescribe supplements to someone, but if a client says, what do you use? I said, well, check these out. Use your own opinion. You can or cannot. It's up to you. It works for you. And it's like, they look at it and go, four of these? Three of these are huge. I'm like, it's because they're high quality. That's what it is. That's the difference. It's high quality. It's so it gets to your system opposed to the smaller tablet you could take is the quality there is it actually going to get digested and do anything yeah yeah again another conversation I feel like we could we could talk for days couldn't we absolutely <laughs> so to summarize it Laura what would you say if you were to give three or five bits of advice to someone who's maybe thinking oh I might have got health issues or I want to check out maybe they're not got symptoms but they want to check it out in terms of you know the food the testing I don't know what's what would you say the sort of three five things you would advise people to start looking at first of all listen to yourself and your body so definitely make a note of if you are having symptoms what is it and even if it's things like oh I get a ringing in my ear sometimes or I have a headache sometimes or things that you might think are normal write them down really get clear on what it is that you know you're kind of struggling with and I would definitely look for credible people in your local area it's quite I mean it's quite a tough one um without me kind of naming names and saying certain like oh go here or check out this or whatever um definitely look for kind of local specialists in your area I now I would not go to my GP if I felt like I was having problems with digestion and and things like that I, I personally wouldn't um definitely seek out any specialists local to you and again it's hard for me to say oh go here because you need to find what works best for you um and don't over google things oh gosh the amount of like rabbit holes I've been in and diagnosed myself with the most ridiculous things like you know you'd read things that this is going to happen to you and and I would panic I'd be like oh my gosh is this really going to happen to me you know a few years ago like that's I was so desperate I was reading all this stuff um but no definitely lean on specialists and chat to people talk to people who are suffering like if anything that I've said resonates with you reach out to me I'm happy to talk to you obviously and just say about my experience I found this helped and that's actually how you learn best is by trial and error and by talking to other people about you know who are feeling somewhat similar to you and since sharing my journey I've had a few people reach out and say, oh my gosh, it's just so nice that I can talk to you because nobody else around me gets it, you know? And so I think by having those conversations, even if you're in a place where you're like, I don't know if anything's wrong, but I have noticed I've been feeling like X, Y, Z, then you can have these conversations with people and think, actually, what I'm feeling is not normal. Maybe there is something going on and that can kind of send you on your journey. Absolutely. Brilliant advice. Right, we're going to do some this or that kind of question, lifestyle yeah. questions on the column, just to get to know Laura a little more insights into her. 
Do you think nervous now? No, I think I'm yeah, it's up on these ones. All right, you've got a choice of Gary B or Stephen Bartlett. Stephen Bartlett, 100 million percent. But I do also, you know, I've got a thing for Gary B. And so you know me well. You've picked this <laughs> Yeah, I mean Stephen Bartlett, I'm gonna have to say he's yeah. The one. Yeah, I don't think Gary might have been ditched recently. So I, I thought, oh, I wonder if he's still there. And the radar. Still love Gary, absolutely. Um, would you go for candles or flowers? Candles, they last longer. Oh, that's a good one. Beach or a city break? Oh, do they? I want to say city just because like I'm quite curious to like explore yeah apart from that creative design side of you I think cities would give you a bit more which don't give me on beach is lovely but I just want your creative inquisitive side of culture and things yeah yeah I'd love to like chill out on the beach and read a book but actually like I do like to explore and get ideas so let's go with city okay you kind of led into the next question there book or podcast book 100%. I think so. I, I love li listening to a podcast when I'm in the car if I'm working, but I think that there's so much power in actually holding a book and, like, you know, actually reading the words. So, oh yeah, let's go with book. One thing I've started doing recently actually is having a podcast on when I do like boring stuff like housework or I'm traveling the bus. And then if I really enjoy that podcast, I'll then buy the book as well. Yeah. Yeah, because I think so like what you say, sometimes you need that book. It feels like you've got it there, easy to grab and to go back to. And also for me, it gets me away from a screen because obviously I'm on a screen all day with what I do. So actually it encourages me to get off the screen and read a book. So, yeah. Yeah. And Laura's always very glam. She's just something yeah. I like to for her fashion and stuff. So I think I know the answer to this one. But I would say dress or trousers and a smart top there's power in a suit so we're gonna go for trousers oh i thought you would have gone for a dress i was like what? <laughs> no. you know what i just think like i absolutely love like women in suits i think like oh the power there so let's go let's go with a nice trouser brilliant trouser in the safe <laughs> power yeah. trousers in the safe right yeah <laughs> all right Lauren, people want to reach out to you because i know you've started kind of um another instagram page around documenting your journey with what you're doing over the last six weeks about your nutrition your lifestyle um but how do people reach out what's the best way to keep following you and get in touch with you if they've got any more questions yeah of course so yes i've got a new account it's psyche.living which is p-s-y-c-h-e dot living um and also i'm going to be doing a blog as well where i'm just basically compiling things that i'm learning and also recipe ideas people who do have crazy intolerances and you feel like you can't ever eat anything ever again, you know, I'm here to show you that you absolutely can. Yes, and I did see one the other day, I think coconut shortbread. Oh my God, that worked out so well. Like coconut flour is so hard to bake with. So that's a challenge for me, but the shortbread worked. So that's yeah. good. So just for anyone thinking it's going to be, you know, because what it's like when people um, say that they're being quite, 
clean with their diet, use those words in terms of taking out the sugars and stuff. They think, oh, the stuffed food tastes awful. So I thought, I've seen that one the other day. I thought, oh, I'm going to even try that one. So I thought it's one of those things that I just wanted to highlight to people. It's not all about, you know, greenery and being super, super healthy. As people might classify, you can still have things like coconut shortbread. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I share a lot of other things as well, like with mindfulness, um, you know, it's, it's not just about, oh, like, here's a plate of food. I definitely want to help educate people and share what I've learned. And just, it's just a safe place, really. If somebody wants to come and talk to me, I'm I'm very much open. Um, so, yeah, you absolutely can. The team that invites there, so if there's anything a niggle you're not sure on, or even if you're looking at somewhere for um, allergy testing, you're like, oh, I'm not sure about this. Can I just check? Was this a process for you? And things yeah. like that. Bounce off Laura. You know, she's been there. She's experienced that. So use that wealth of knowledge. Yes, it's been 10 years. So <laughs> I've learned a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for your time today, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure.